Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! Quarterback, you can't fight! How's it going? Welcome along to Off The Ball's NFL podcast. Uh, it's Nathan Murphy in the presenter's chair this week. Jerry Gilroy is not around. And we're joined, as always, by our regular guest, Sam Monson, who's a writer with Pro Football Focus. You want to get him at Twitter, you can get him at PFF underscore Sam. Sam has things. I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Good to talk to you. First time speaking with Sam. Also, Keen Fahey, uh, writer with the Bleacher Report, Football Outsiders, and much more as well, at Keen AF. If you want to get in touch with him on Twitter, Keen, all good? Yeah, good to talk to you, man. And also, in studio, off the balls, token yank, Donnie Mahoney. <laughs> What's a, up? A very smug looking Donnie. It's been around the off the ball offices this week. So, Jared Gilroy had to take two weeks off. After seeing the Patriots hammer the Cincinnati Bengals for four weeks, Nathan, five weeks, I sit in here, take abuse week after week after week. Your Patriots are miserable. They're crap. They're going nowhere. Get rid of the quarterback, fire the coach, all that stuff. Sunday night, the Bengals show up in town. I asked Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton to do the job. Boom. Boom. They had nothing. Tom Brady is back. He's the greatest quarterback basically since Johnny Unitas. He proved everything that he was worth. We, the Super Bowl now is in our grasp. Jerry Gilroy, no sign of him. Where is he? <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Tending to his one-week-old child or something. I don't know. Really? Con- Has anyone seen any proof of this child even? Convenient, that's what I would say. So the Patriots are back. Patriots 43-17 back. winners over the Bengals. And Tom Brady, he goes home, he looks in the mirror, he sees Giselle behind him and goes, I'm still the man. He is, he is the king of the world right now. He is Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic looking out. Kate Winslet, it, you know, beside him. Things are things are good. Somehow the whole season has turned around. Like this was this is, you know, we're back. That's basically it. You're three and two. Mm. Are you back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, you're laughing. Please take him up on this. Put him I, I back think, in his box. I think you said it best when you said the Bengals rolled into town, uh, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> You know, Brady played well. You can't take anything away from him, but the Bengals just didn't show up at all. They they decided they weren't going to bother covering the simplest of root concepts and just allowed people wide open all evening. And, you know, to be fair to Brady, he took advantage of it, but that's not going to happen all the way through the season. I think New England aren't as good as they showed against the Bengals and they're not as bad as they showed against the Chiefs. Um, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, we're just going to have to find out exactly where. Yeah, Keen, how far do you think the Patriots can go this season? I think Donnie had a fitting analogy there when he called him Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic because we all know how the Titanic finished up. And I think that might be more where the Patriots are going rather than the Patriots coming back. Like Sam, I agree, it was the Bengals just didn't turn up. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't cover anyone. The Patriots ran for over 200 yards, I think, with, with ease. And that's the worst performance I've seen the Bengals have in years, including their awful playoff games that they've had the last two or three years in a row. What was exciting, though, for the Patriots is that we had... We, the, not only was Gronkowski doing his thing, but Tim Wright, this guy who, the much maligned Tim Wright, this t- tight end who's done nothing, barely played all season, the guy who we sacrificed Logan Mankins for, all of a sudden, he is 
the sort of he is the he is the the Aaron Hernandez to the Gronkowski of 2011. Now we have t- two tight ends again. Vintage performance. This is like the, the old offense restored. And if I, you know, I don't know why. Do you guys know why it took Tim Wright so long to get into the offense? Was it just that it was just he he, he took him that it took him that month to kind of get a grasp of things? Or and do, is it possible that that he you know will kind of offer um, a sort of a serious offensive uh, option going forward? I think it probably took him a few weeks to to learn the, the offense, learn the playbook, that kind of thing. The other thing is, it probably took the Patriots a while to work out exactly how to use him. Um, you know, when you've got a guy, obviously Gronkowski is the starting tight end, so you've now got to try and work out how to integrate right as a second tight end, but only as a receiver. You know, most most teams that use two tight ends, at least one of them is primarily a blocking guy, whereas the Patriots, obviously they've done it before with Hernandez, but he was a lot more versatile and they could line him up in the backfield and do a lot more things with him. Right, they kind of have to work out how to use strictly as a, a pass receiving option along with Gronkowski. I think that it probably took everybody a few weeks to get on the same page. But yeah, I think he can definitely provide an option going forward. He's a good receiver and, and was in Tampa Bay. He's not going to be Aaron Hernandez. He's not quite the same kind of player, both on and off the field, hopefully. Okay. Um, but he's, he's definitely a weapon for them. Let's hear from uh, Rob Gronkowski of the Patriots uh, talking after the game about whether the Patriots had something to prove against Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I told my brother I was like, uh, before we came to the game, I go, I'm going to help. I'm going to make 12 look like Tom Brady again today, baby. And I went out there with my teammates, and we made Tom Brady look like Tom Brady after you guys were criticizing him all week. The fans, everything. And it feels so good, and he's such a leader. And he went over 50,000 yards today. He's an unbelievable player, and I'm so glad to play with him. After the first couple games, we were a little shaky, and uh, it's great to come back strong. And he's shown that he's still a young buck, and he has a lot in his tank left. And I'm proud to be playing with him, and it was awesome seeing all the Brady chants out there. And it was just a good game overall with, with a lot with a lot of teamwork. Sam, has Tom Brady silenced his doubters, or was this a, a one-off? Um, he he definitely shut a few people up. You know, people have been saying he's he's done, and I think that was always a bit over the top. I think he's declining, but he uh, he turned up, and this is as good as we've seen him play this season. And it showed that when things go right, when he's got protection, when he's got some weapons, he can still be a very effective quarterback. The guy's still very good. Donnie? I I mean I think I'm looking forward to the we've got we're going to Buffalo this week three and two, this is now becomes a huge divisional game, we win this game do the job, we control our own fate and we're looking you know we're, we're I'm I'm not I accept that the Bengals are a great team in September and maybe that maybe they played into the to the Patriots hands but you look at that offensive line was looking really good it's good to see that when the the chips are down that there's still some life in this team. I think you were being a little bit tongue-in-cheek when you said the Super Bowl is on the horizon. But, Sam, did you see much from the Patriots over the weekend? Is there a template there now for success later in the year? It's interesting that, you know, they've they've basically had three big litmus test games or will have three big litmus test games after this weekend. Um, and they've won two of them so far. So, you know, they had it was kind of a, a must-win game after losing the first the first week so so in such a fashion of the Dolphins, they hammered uh, the Vikings and then got hammered again by the Chiefs. And then this was the big week against the Bengals to see if they were actually dead and buried or if there was something to this season. They hammered the Bengals. Now this week, the Bills are actually not a bad side and Kyle Orton kind of lets that offense function a little bit more, allows them to actually be viable on that side of the ball and they're good on defense. So this is another 
kind of big test for the Patriots, you know, to see if they can build on this momentum or if it was just the Bengals being that bad and if, if the Patriots just took advantage of a really poor side. Yeah, Keen, where where did this performance from the Bengals come from? Because they were the best team in the NFL for the first month of the season. They were undefeated, but they just didn't show up. And is this is is there quite worrying long term signs here for for Marvin Lewis? Well, they they've had a relatively easy go of it to this point, and this was their their toughest test to say. Even though the Patriots haven't been that good, I think what the Patriots did well was attack an area of weakness on their defense on the defensive line. And the Patriots' offensive line played very well, something it hasn't done to this point. And they, they were able to consistently just keep, keep, the, keep the pass rush off of Brady and open la- running lanes for their running backs. And that's why it's kind of interesting that they played the Bengals this week and now they're going to play the Bills because the Bills don't have a problem on the defensive line. The Bills' defensive line is a major strength for them, even if Kyle Williams isn't playing. Uh, defensive tackle Kyle Williams, who's a very important player. But I, I think it's going to be kind of fascinating to find out just how good the offensive line is now, if it's completely rebounded, or if that was a once-off game where they just took advantage of lesser opposition. Yeah, let's move on to the Chargers against the Jets. 31-0, San Diego now 4-1, the Jets the opposite 1-4, two teams going in opposite directions. And looking at the Jets and their coach, Rex Ryan, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of talk. He might struggle to keep his job unless he can turn things around quite quickly. Sam, what's your thoughts on the... uh, Situation with the Jets at the moment, you look at the last day, Geno Smith replaced at halftime, just reading about Michael Vick saying that he hadn't prepared properly, maybe he wasn't taking it seriously, but it definitely won't happen again. It just looks to be a bit of a shambles at the Jets at the moment. It really does. I think sometimes being in that New York media spotlight can kind of help perpetuate some of these stories, but the Jets do seem to find their way into a shambles very easily, you know, with frightening regularity and... (laughs) You know, Smith missing meetings, uh, you know, Michael Vick just not being ready to take over, despite the the inevitability of that happening at some point. You'd think that if if ever a quarterback sitting on the bench was going to be ready to take over from a starter, it would be Geno Smith's backup. But for whatever reason, he wasn't. The guy just seems to be perfectly happy just cashing his backup quarterback check every week. Um, they're, in a, they're, they're in a real state. You know, that offense is a mess. There's no leadership or quarterback to speak of. Um, and there's no kind of obvious way out of the hole they're in at the moment. They should never got rid of Tim Tebow. No, Tebow, it's true. <laughs> Tebow was there. They never really gave him a chance. Either you might, they probably should even got rid of Mark Sanchez either. The, like I was in, uh, I was in New Jersey last Christmas, the last day of the year. Jets versus the Dolphins, and the Jets, they had the team kind of had a choice. They could kind of, they could, they could get blown out, and they could, and Rex would be fired, and they could basically start from scratch. But the, the opposite happened. They turned up for him. They fought for him, and it seemed like. This team, especially his defense, they really they really cared for him, and that they re- they wanted him as their leader. And that you know the Jets finished kind of decently last year. Jet Geno Smith didn't seem the worst. My I have Jets fans in my family, and they were optimistic for the future for the first time in maybe five years. And now this was a complete uh, they're completely destroyed, and they're bringing Denver into 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 uh, the MetLife this week. If Manning hammers him like he he can and he should, it's hard to see how it's hard to see how Rex keeps his job beyond the end of the week. It's it's um it's funny how it's all just come apart so quickly for them. And it's impossible to see any way back. There's you know if Michael Vick is your solution, then uh, you don't uh, you know you don't want to know what the question is. Yeah, do you agree with Donny lads that the end is nigh for for uh, Rex Ryan? 
I think that was the first sign where it looked like the team had kind of stopped fighting for him. The defense looked like it gave up a little bit in that game. Maybe it's partly that the talent isn't as good as it was over the last few years, but it, it's a very worrying sign. He, the, the talent just isn't there for him to rebound either. You look at the, their best receivers, Eric Decker, who's injured, with hamstring injury that doesn't normally go away quickly. And even, even Decker as your best receiver isn't really a good thing, and especially when there's a drop-off to his next best options, which makes makes it even just it just looks like such a dire situation all around. And no quarterback change is going to fix it. You can't really fix every single part of your team. So I don't really know how you turn that around within eight or nine games. But it's, it's interesting. It's possible also that the Chargers are maybe the best team in the NFL at least six weeks in. So maybe maybe that loss doesn't look so bad three or four weeks from now. I don't know. Do you guys think how do you how do you see the Chargers uh, facing up Sam? Like, can they beat Denver in the long term? I think. They're actually a really close analog of Denver. I was thinking about this during the week in that if you look at where they're strong, where they're weak, they're a pretty close replica of the Broncos. They've they've got a quarterback at the moment who's probably playing better than any other quarterback in the NFL um, in Rivers. The defense is pretty strong. They've upgraded in the offseason in in the key areas you want to upgrade, pass rush, uh, the the secondary. There's still a few holes here and there and and the offensive line I don't think is as good as Denver's. But other than that, they're they're not going to give up that division without a fight. They're they're probably as good as anybody in the NFL at the moment. The only question is, can Rivers sustain this level of play through the whole season if that offensive line doesn't play any better? I think that's going to be the the kind of key to, to see how far they can go. Another player who stood out, Keen, Brandon Oliver, 114 rushing yards, 68 receiving yards. This guy looks to be a bit of a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I'm not sure how good he is because 102 of his yards came on two plays and those two plays were very poorly defended. One was a reception when he was left wide open in the flat after Rivers did what Rivers has been doing all year, extended a play past the point where you'd expect it to go. And the other was a run outside left tackle where the, the play call from the defence seemed to naturally move the defenders away from where he was going. So he was given a free lane to run into the, second, uh, into the secondary. Uh, I think he can. there's a lot of talk about him being the next Darren Sproles in San Diego. Darren Sproles was in San Diego before he went to New Orleans. And I, I don't really think he's that guy, but he does look to be a, a decent role player at least. And that, that, that's all they really need because Rivers has made players look better around him for, for years, really. He, didn't, he had a, a low patch for about two years, two years ago. But you look at a guy like Eddie Royal, who's thrived with Rivers, and he could be that kind of player for them. Yeah, you mentioned Philip Rivers is one of the informed quarterbacks at the moment. Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson had arguably his best game as a pro. They beat uh, the Seahawks, beat Washington 27-17. Sam, you've been looking closely at Russell Wilson. You wrote quite a long piece online this week about Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck and uh, c- comparing the two of them. Yeah, it, I think it's they're always going to be compared to each other. You know, they came from the same draft and Luck was the, the high-flying big prospect. You know, number one overall was the, the next Peyton Manning. Wilson was the guy drafted in the third round that everybody kind of forgotten about, but who's just, he's kind of like the modern day Tom Brady. You know, he was never supposed to be this great prospect, but he's just played fantastically from the moment he set on the field. Um, and it's interesting comparing the two guys because Luck has always had the hype around him, but Wilson has had to kind of grow into it a bit with, you know, with a, a strong defense in Seattle and with, with a running game in Marshawn Lynch. People have always been a little less or a little more reluctant to, uh, to give him the credit that I think he deserves. But I think he's shown, certainly in the last few weeks, that he's more than the, the kind of game manager than people have, have often tagged him with. And he's capable of making big plays with his legs, big plays with his arm, generally being a, a really good quarterback. 
If you guys were redrafted and, and it was 2012 now, uh, how would you go about it? Would you take Luck first again? I think those two guys would go one and two. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure you could go wrong whichever one you picked. I think both those guys are going to be, you know, all pro level quarterbacks going for a long time. Keen, if you were uh, the GM at Indy, would you, you would go RG3 now? No, you, you'd, you'd have to take one of those two. Uh, RG3 is very talented, but even when he was at his best during his rookie season, I don't think he was anywhere near as good as what Wilson has been for the last 12 months. Donnie, Seahawks defending champions. How do you see their season going along so far? 4-1? Uh, and one? I'd like, Are you playing sailing? Just chip it away. I don't, it's hard to know. I mean, they're bringing, we've got the, this uh, NFC crunch, uh, maybe the NFC title preview game this week in Seattle with the, when the Cowboys roll into town. I just I like the way they win games. They're just they just seem they're so efficient and effective. And there was that that one throw that Wilson made to Marshawn Lynch, where he you know he scrambled and ran and and you know just barely found him, and then Lynch just plows down. I mean, it's, they just seem impossible to to stop and defend. And um, you know, it all seems all, it all seems like it's on track for them. You know. Yeah, Sam, are, are they looking as convincing as last year? Uh, yeah, I think so. They're also extremely good at taking advantage of stuff that defense gives them. So the Redskins clearly were not set up or prepared to cope with Russell Wilson as a running threat. And, you know, most of the time the Seahawks don't really use him as one. He's capable of running with the ball, but they have him. They run some option plays, but they always, almost always hand it off to Lynch, and the option is just a fake to keep the defense honest. But for whatever reason this week, they'd obviously seen something on tape and decided that the Redskins were just not going to defend it. So Wilson kept a few of those passes and, and ran for, he had 120 yards, but I think 60 or so of those were done designed runs. The rest of them were him scrambling and making something happen. So they're prepared to change their offense week to week to, to exploit whatever they come across. And I think that's, that's a huge thing in the NFL. You know, you can beat the guys that are coming up in a different way than you beat the last guys. And that, that makes you so much more difficult to, to play against. Keen, what about the Seattle defense there? Uh... Much vaunted secondary, got caught deep a number of times uh, the last night. Kirk Cousins thrown to Deshaun Jackson. Is that a possible chink in the arm of this Seattle side? Yeah, the big, the biggest issue I've had with them so far is the pass rush. The pass rush has been good, and you're, you, you know there's a, a tendency where you talk negatively about something that comes across as being terrible. But they, they have kind of minor issues in the pass rush that are becoming bigger problems. On that play, you could see that... Um, the pass rush went completely past the quarterback and gave him a free lane to just run outside of the pocket where he had loads of space to run into and he could throw the ball down the field. And that's something they did with Philip Rivers a lot as well, where he could easily get out of the pocket and make plays down the field. And it's not something they did last year. Last year they were much more disciplined where they would push the, the pocket in around the quarterback and come at him from every single angle so he had nowhere to go. And it's, it's, a, it's a minor thing, but it's, it's a, when you're so, as dominant as that defense was last year, you kind of want everything to be firing the way it was firing. Mm. And it was just never going to going to be sustained like that. I wouldn't have any major concerns about them moving forward, being not being a, a top defense, but they're still not they're not as dominant as they were last year, and I doubt they ever will be. But the the other side of that is they're much better on offense this year. Yeah, and they'll be tested again Sunday night, arguably the game of the weekend: the Cowboys against the Seahawks at Century Field. Uh, two best teams going head to head. What the Cowboys' running game, anchored by Demarco Murray against the Seahawks' defense. Keen, how do you see that one playing out? It's fascinating, though, isn't it? Because we, we always have high expectations for some offenses going into Seattle, and then Seattle just destroyed them because they just, whatever happens in that stadium, Seattle seemed to just take over and play a lot better. But I think I do, I do like this Cowboys team a lot because their offensive line appears to be very strong, and that's kind of one area where I think you can attack Seattle a little bit. 
And you've got a guy like Des Bryant who, as good as as good as Sherman is, as good as Maxwell can be, I, and I love the Seahawks the secondary. I'm not downing them at all. You just look at a guy like Des Bryant who has as much talent as anyone to make plays, and I don't think they're going to completely shut him down. So I think the, the really the concerning part about that game is if the Cowboys can keep the ball and uh, control the clock like the Chargers did a few weeks back. I, I think the Cowboys will have a really good chance, but that's obviously a very uh, difficult thing to do in Seattle. Donnie, you don't look convinced. I'm just thinking, I can just see it in my mind already. Tony Robo is kind of running around the backfield scrambling. There's about three or four um, Seahawks guys chasing him, and he does what Tony Romo does. He hurls it out, and it looks convincing. And then, you know, he's at, maybe he's throwing it towards Terrence Williams, and there's three safety, There's two safeties and a quarterback around him, and it's a pick, it's a pick you know. I just... I, I, I kind of love this Cowboys renaissance because it seems so unlikely, but um, I just I think they might be they're might they're stepping up to another another level this week, and uh, I I fear for them. Sam, is this a probable preview of a divisional final later in the year? Uh, I'm still kind of waiting for the wheels to fall off that Dallas Cowboys juggernaut a little bit. I think they've they've been playing a bit above where they should be. Um, I don't think the defense is quite as good as it's been playing, or at least the teams will will find a way to attack it more as the season goes on. I think they're they're running um, DeMarco Murray into the ground with a, a ridiculously unsustainable workload. He's on pace at the moment to tie the NFL record for the most carries ever by a running back over a season. And this is a guy who's had quite a lot of injury issues over the past already. So I think at some point it's almost inevitable that he's going to break down from that, that workload and then you're back to, to being carried by Tony Romo. And I think everyone knows how that story ends. Mm-hmm. The other uh, big divisional match uh, is in the NFA, NFC East, uh, the Giants against the Eagles. The Eagles 4-1, and one, despite Nick Foles showing no signs of form whatsoever. Can they keep up this revival with Foles playing so terribly, Sam? Yeah, this is uh, the Eagles are kind of desperately just trying to tread water until they get all their offensive linemen back healthy. Um it's obviously having a huge knock-on effect of the running game. You know, Sean McCoy is struggling without the blocking, and Nick Foles is struggling more than he would, I think, um, with a better offensive line in front of him. And yet, they're four and one. They're they're winning the games they need to win until these guys come back and and they're ready to go again. Um, I think that's that's hugely encouraging. But the Giants, the Giants are in a good run of form themselves. So I think it's a fascinating matchup. This is probably their toughest test in that stretch. Donnie, I was reading some quotes from the Eagles offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, about Nick Foles' struggles. He said, I think what's happening is everybody's jumped the gun and said, is this guy our franchise quarterback? Those are after-the-fact evaluations. Nick's fighting through the year like a lot of our players. He's only really a second-year player. That's what you've got to think about. He's had a limited number of starts in this offense. He's made some good throws that help us to win games. That doesn't really inspire confidence. He, does, he doesn't sound so convinced. No. Um, but, you know, you look at that, they're maybe the least convincing 4 one team I've ever seen, but they... You they're know, still four and one. They're four and one, and as long as they can, they you want to give their defense and their special teams special mention. They've blocked, I think, as it's three touchdowns that they've got off block punts or field goals. They're, you know, it's it's kind of incredible what they, they what they've been doing on that side. Um, I don't I don't know. I I still have doubts about the Giants and like if they can keep cleaning up with these wins, there's no reason, you know, it, once they get their tools back, that they might that they can't that Foles won't grow in confidence. I still remember. I was playing against him in the. Fan- I, I had him as a fantasy quarterback. My, his first season, he came in off the bench uh, for Vic for the Eagles, and he, he was one of the worst quarterbacks I'd ever seen. And I still have nightmares about him. But you know, I don't know. Maybe he can, he can turn it around. I, I'm, I still have doubts. 
Yeah, Keen, surely it's a, a sign of a good team that you can win when not playing particularly well like the Eagles are. No, it, it definitely is a good sign that you can win while not playing well, but I'm not sure it's a good sign that you don't play well five weeks in a row. And that's my bigger concern, <laughs> that the, 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 the offense, the, the quarterback is obviously not doing what he's supposed to do, finding his receivers up and down the field. But it's the defense is a bigger concern for me because they faced fairly poor opposition and they've just made that opposition look a lot better than it actually is. Guys like Kirk Cousins and Chad Henney and last week was Austin Davis with, with relatively limited receivers for the most part, except for Washington's, where they were just able to pick apart the secondary consistently and with, with ease. And it's just, it, you're looking at it and you're going, this shouldn't be able to sustain, but it has done because they've had all these uh, defensive and special teams touchdowns. And those are the kind of things that generally don't last over a 16-game season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. For once, I don't have to go to England on Sunday, so I can actually sit down for the evening. The international break is paid off for you. It is, yeah, and sit down and watch some NFL. Before we wrap up this segment, Donny, do you want to do a little bit more gloating? Uh, Get it in now. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to save some more gloating for when we beat uh, Buffalo away next week. I saw you getting a little bit upset when uh, Sam said something about a modern-day Tom Brady, that we're already on the next generation. Uh, the old Tom Brady. I don't, you know, I look, that was vintage Tom Brady last I don't care... I, Maybe the ship is sailing, but, you know, there was something in that. Just watching that first quarter, it was like old times. The fans were out, all the signs. We still believe. Like, we, of course, we never stopped believing. Never stopped. We'll leave it at that. Sam, Keen, thanks for uh, joining us. Donnie, you're going to stick with us. Mick McCarthy's going to be joining us as well as we talk fantasy football. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. All right, uh, we're joined now as well by Mick McCarthy. Donnie is still here as well, and I'm glad to say we're going to be talking about fantasy NFL for the next little while because I have quite a conundrum ahead of me this week. I received an email at about 7 o'clock this morning from somebody in my league wanting to trade. This is the first time this has happened in my league. This is the Tom Brady bunch? I am the Tom Brady bunch. We're, Tom Brady is back in form, we are unfortunately. The Tom Brady bunch, surely. Mm. The Tom Brady bunch is uh, not going so well, unfortunately. One in four, I've seen. Yeah. These things happen. So this is your first time ever getting a trade offer? Yes. There is nothing more intimidating. I'm wondering, is he trying to screw me over? You're always being screwed, but you also sometimes feel under pressure to take it. Mm. It's, I don't like trades I'm, I'm really scared of them I'm, I, Does he know something you don't I've, know? I proposed a trade this week That I then went back two hours later And cancelled before the person had a chance to accept <laughs> well, it You're yeah. just mocking them No you I didn't could, no, You could have had No this. I just got really scared and could, I can only think of the downside in trades I can't think of the upside So Nathan this is your first season in fantasy Yes And so this is your first trade offer That you've ever received This is a big moment in a fantasy person's Let's life Let's give us the trade I'm struggling So right He has offered me Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wide receiver, New Orleans. Yes. Zach Ertz. Big trade here. And Reggie Bush. Okay. Nice. Wow, okay. Right, Cooks. so this is a lot of... Bush. These are a lot of, you know... You know, you probably your tight end, your second wide receiver, your second running back here. Okay, this is a big change to your team. All right. He wants from me the Jacksonville Jaguars... Okay, well, take given that straight away anyway. So far, so good. Owen Daniels. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you're doing very well, well What here. he really wants from me is Vincent Jackson. Okay. Oh, my God, take this trade. Now, he also sent me a mail saying, Bush is going to be so 
running back for at least the next two weeks for the Lions. Cooks has moved up from third choice to second on the team that only thinks of throwing and Earth is one of the few tight ends that is only there to catch and run. No blocking duties. I really only want Vincent Jackson. Yeah. Earth is a massive step up from Daniels. Cooks is... Cooks is less than Jackson. Basically, right, the Jags are just a make weight, right? Forget about them. So basically, you're going Cooks, Ertz, and Bush for Owen Daniels and Vincent Jackson. So basically, you're getting, the way I look at it, you're getting Reggie Bush and Brandon Cooks. Forgetting about the fact that Ertz is actually better than Daniels. You're getting Reggie Bush and Brandon Cooks for Vincent Jackson. I'd take that trade well, in, in a heartbeat. Now, just going to argue the other side of it. Vincent Jackson has blown up since uh, Michael Lennon yeah. came in. Um, now... Cooks, generally, and this and the uh, Saints' defense or offense have been quite disappointing. Reggie Bush, a little bit injury prone this year. I, I can see. I'm one and four. Yeah. See what I I never like when I get the trade offer is when I get the email that's trying to sell me on it. It should be sold right away. When I start getting sentences, mm-hmm. that's when I think I'm no, trying, someone's fair, trying to yeah. con me. Mm. No, well, I'm I'm very cynical, as you know, when it comes mm. to trades. So, like, I mean, there's no. But I just if, if I just I get look rid at that the Jaguars. I have to get in. Another defense. Oh yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, but like I mean, that's like you know, honestly, you don't want to be living life with the Jaguars as no. your as your D. Well, I've yeah, discovered that. Yeah, you right. should be straight when you don't have a really top defense like Seattle or well, I was going to say Carolina or Arizona, but not so much this year. But like, you should be just changing them every week anyway, or every couple of weeks. What's uh, Jer Gilroy's reputation like on this pod? Like, can we slate him right now? Yeah, because of course, yeah. He recommended at the start of the season that I go Cam Newton as my quarterback. Okay. Well, that, that's proved to be a total disaster, I can see. So I have Flacco as well. I'm thinking I'm going to go with Flacco this week. Yeah. We might go through Nathan's team. It's a 12-team league, Donny? 12-team league. 12-team league, right, Nathan, so just to keep that in mind. I believe he finds himself second last place at the second moment. Second last, yeah. Okay. So His team at the moment is quarterback Joe Flacco, running backs... Are, okay, so Joe Flacco. That's a... We'll leave that tumbleweed there a running back three running backs with a flex of Amar Bradshaw Eddie Lacey and Ronnie Hillman Ronnie Hillman this is a waiver wire pickup yeah, yeah not straight not in there pretty good one um, this week because he's obviously going to be the starter this week at least a pretty good receiving core Brandon Marshall and Vincent Jackson Delaney Walker at tight end Phil Dawson and the Jags your bench is Cam Newton Niall Davis obviously on by this week Trent Richardson uh, going all out in the Colts uh, running game there. Uh, Terrence Williams, Anquan Bolden, and Owen Daniels. That's not a bad team. That's, that's a decent team. <laughs> I like. I think Terrence Williams is a good guy to have there on the bench. If you were to ship off Jackson, you'd have an immediate cover there in Terrence. Um, he'd also have Brandon Cooks as well. Like it's true, you know. So you'd be able. To, I've been unlucky so far. You'd be able to play them by matchups. You've been weighed down by the terrible start that Eddie Lacy's had to the season, I believe. Yeah, and also Brandon Marshall was down, has been injured. Yeah, and he comes on, he scores like twenty four points. Yeah, he's he's running fantasy screwed seasons me. all over the place. Frustrating. I would say one of your biggest problems is quarterback, though, because Flacco is going to get you fourteen points a game. If Cam was himself, would he look like he might have been last week? And he didn't even run that much, but he was running mm-hmm. at least, and yeah. he will make yards. And obviously, he had a big game. He's got Greg Olson there to throw touchdowns to whenever he wants to, and uh, those um, two receiver guys whose name <laughs> names I can't remember right now that have come from nowhere. Oh, Calvin Benjamin. Yeah, and like I think I think Cam will come back. Right. You know, I think you he's been faith. holding you back at the moment, but he's been injured for the start of the season. Mm. I wouldn't His, be. If I were if I was the owner of the Tom Brady bunch, I definitely wouldn't be worried looking into the future. I think that that's the team that's on the rise. 
Now you want to because the the end is relegation to oblivion. There is no division three. Yes, and the specifically that we're discussing, the last two people are, are gone forever, are forced out of the league. So there are serious consequences to pay for coming in last or second second to last. So you're up against it now. You've got to turn it around. But luckily, one of the advantages of being bad in fantasy is that you control the waiver wire. You're getting one of Ronnie Hillman or uh, Brandon Oliver, one of these yeah. kind of guys. So um, you're not badly placed. Going back to the original question. Are you Cooks and Ertz versus Daniels and uh, Jackson. and Jackson? I, I gotta and say, Bush and Bush, yeah. And Reggie Bush is on that as a trade as well. Like I gotta say, you're strengthening yourself with that trade. I I think it's I think you got to do it. Right. Yeah. Like honestly, I think for what you lose in Vincent Jackson, you make up for. You're gonna have great strength and depth. You're gonna be covered for bye weeks. That that I don't know. I just think that I think there'll be people screaming at their at the three or four people listening to this mm. now will be screaming at their iPhone. In, we got to make sure that I accept this before we put the podcast up in case he's listening and he cancels it. That's true. So yeah. are you having a lot more success in your fantasy seasons? Uh, Donny Donny's doing pretty well in his two leagues. I'm I'm in both. I'm in three leagues. Two of them are are with Donny. I'm uh, in the one we talk about on this podcast um, with our certain uh, GA celebrities. Um, we're both doing pretty well. We're both four and one. Is that right? Four and one, yeah. Yeah, so four and one. So we're ripping that up. My my extreme running back core of uh, Levy and Bell, um, Alfred Morris, Matt Forte, and Andre Ellington on the bench seems to be doing pretty well. It's really, you really don't need too much more when you've got. Well, all what's those the key guys. to your success? Uh, luck, really. I think mostly <laughs> Andrew. Like no, the, the Irish luck, the the original kind. They uh, like this whole. I, I I won. For example, last week I was playing a member member of the league named Fraggy Murphy, who we we talk about sometimes. I was I was going to bed. The uh, Cincinnati versus the Patriots. I was up about f- six points, and the projection thing was that I was going to lose sixty five sixty four. I wake up the next morning. High scoring game. The Patriots destroy the Bengals and. I actually win by 14 points because Fraggy's the Bengals have been totally destroyed by the Patriots. And now, you know, like, these are the kind of things that are going my way week in, week out. I don't know when the fantasy guys are going to change their mind about me, but everything from the first six weeks. I haven't won the first, I lost my first, I lost in both games in the first week, and I haven't lost since, so... Donny beat me two weeks in a row in two different leagues by a, combi- a combined two and a half points. Ooh. Yeah, that was cruel. Was there a little bit of tension in here? No, not really. Donny wished me well. I, I wasn't too bitter. At least openly. <laughs> There's the first. Well, Andre Ellington now is kicked off, so that, that must be a good sign for you. Ellington, Ellington got 30 points for me this week, and I won my fancy matchup by about 30. So He hasn't been scoring. He hasn't actually run for 100 yards yet this season. Mm. He got that 85-yard touchdown as a reception, which was amazing. Yeah, it's cool. But um, he's still like, he's clearly their most talented well, maybe maybe Larry Fitzgerald on his day, but the most talented yeah. offensive player. But they just don't get him the ball enough. It's kind of strange. Nathan, this is your first season of fantasy. You've described yourself as like a fantasy god amongst us. How have you been finding the first six weeks? I know your Sundays are kind of complicated by fantasy god in fantasy Premier League. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, yeah. I'm not watching, seeing as much NFL as I'd hoped because mm-hmm. basically I do commentaries in England every Sunday, and the matches are on at what six o'clock and half nine, and I'm usually just arriving back. So I'm seeing bits and pieces, yeah. but I'm also spending a lot of uh, Communicore and News Talks money on roaming, sitting in the airport, refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. There's a lot of roaming charges associated with that flea flicker, flea flicker are, yeah. website. As I'm like, God damn it, can't believe I lost to Keen Martha last week. Oh, sickness! Got oh, to sit beside that guy. Yeah, 
I, I was up late on Sunday night. I was, it was touch and go, but he had two guys left playing. I had one. I knew it, was, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, I've got some news here. I've just accepted this trade for you. We've made, we've made radio history in Ireland. We've just accepted a uh, fantasy trade. Oh, on somewhere the... over Dwayne Bowe, you have been done. <laughs> You're screwed, bro. <laughs> Good name. I'll, I'll give him that. He doesn't have a great team anymore, though, now. He's no. uh, relying on Owen Daniels as his uh, <laughs> tight end. I didn't realise when we said yes straight away that you did have Delaney Walker already. But, uh, yeah, interesting yeah, decisions now with Delaney Walker and Zach Ertz. But, straight yeah, no, I, I'm, I'd be... Um, so which I of these guys I, should I put straight into my team? Mm, that's that's an interesting one. Cooks is on bye week. Ertz is playing the Giants. And Walker is playing the, the Jackson, Jags. The so Jackson. I would keep Walker in the team. And Bush got a bit knocked up last week and is uh, questionable for this weekend. Yeah. And Lacey Hillman and Bradshaw. Mm, the Colts are playing tonight. All of a sudden, now that you've clicked accept, <laughs> you're putting a lot of doubts over all my players. The Colts are playing tonight. I don't like... Guys on Thursdays, they never no. do anything for me. No, like I mean, I know I know everybody always wins fifty nil, so someone does something, but never on my team. Uh, I think this it's early to say. I think maybe in a week or two, this is when the the, the genius of this trade will click in. But I think gonna- actually, it won't go through for twenty four hours, so you won't have. You'll have to play Bradshaw tonight, just in case something happens with Bush. Right, so yep. you don't get him because obviously Trent Richardson is your backup there as well and he's going to be playing tonight as well so I would leave your team as it is bizarrely obviously you're going to have to get in a um, you're going to have to get in a new defence so that the Jags aren't yeah one issue that you're going to have this week is so with Jackson gone now you're going to have to play Terrence Williams against Seattle so I mean that's not the best matchup but I think the it's usually the, the team's second receiver who does best against the Seahawks so um, or how about this? Can I play Bolden? Um, yeah, he's up against St. Louis, who had a pretty good pass defense. Uh, Bolden, I was actually—I've been meaning to talk about Bolden for a couple of weeks because he annoys me as a fancy player. Because when I watched the Niners play, or when I watched Baltimore play when he was there, or even going back to when he was um, with Arizona, he is an amazing wide receiver. He yeah. makes the most ridiculous catches that he has no business to make, and he's just an absolute stud. But he gets four catches a game for 37 yards, and he is not a fancy player. Like It's really annoying because he's great to watch. Like. He's brilliant. You'd want him on your team. He, he does, yeah. does what you need him to do. Third down receiver, yeah. just this big guy, takes on cornerbacks. Blocks guys out of it, like could block linebackers out of the game. C- completely useless on fantasy. I drafted yeah. him last year. I thought, look, I'm, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to love this guy with the Niners. Kaepernick's going to hit him up all day. Not the case. Some mixed picks. Some mixed picks, yeah. Okay. Well, not the greatest not yeah. the greatest week for me for you, on yeah. mixed picks. I've fallen behind in the league with a dismal Owen Tree. One of the reasons I would say for that though just is that I've 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 um my methods haven't been great. I've been kind of making decisions on the fly while we're on air. So I decided to put a bit of time into it this week. Unfortunately, Thanks I forgot for to do, do that. Research. And I still have five teams in front of me here and I have to whittle them down yeah. the tree. Donnie, though, I have to say, had our first perfect week so far yeah. after four weeks of mixed picks. 3-0, and would you like to say who yeah. you got? Um, off the top, I had the great uh, Cleveland Browns comeback. I was all over that. So Biggest comeback in franchise history. And, yeah. of course, Donnie had the I was picks, on it. Yeah. Uh, I had the... Brilliant San, San Diego Chargers who are now five and zero against the spread, just yeah, well. tearing it up against the um, the Jets. The Jets. There wasn't much to worry about in that game. No, that was a lock. Uh, oh, and Jets. I had Tampa Bay, and I was I I was like 
really patting myself on the back when I saw it was Tampa Bay going overtime with um with the Saints at home. I just, I just had a feeling they lost by seven and they it was lost 10, by ten. Was it? Was, there was ten. That was crazy. Okay, that yeah, was crazy no, it was. Spread. We talked about that last week. I actually circled that in last week's podcast, showed it to Donny, and then didn't pick them. Yeah, so that wasn't very smart. A lot of excuses, Mick. Jer- oh no, absolutely, I'm full of them. Jer, who's not here, did slightly better than you, Mick. He got one right. Um, he was let down by Jacksonville. And uh, he picked the Bengals out of spite. And when you make when you do make decisions out of spite, they never really turn out for you. And thankfully, Tom Brady rubbed his face in it. I said I agreed with that last week, and and that you did as well. And we weren't we're going against because of emotional reasons. But mm. I checked. I got twelve out of fourteen in my um, pigskin pick'em last week, okay. and I did pick the Patriots to win that game. Didn't expect them to be as dominant, dominant. as they were, but. 12 out of 14 is alright not bad yeah my best week yet I and was coming off 4 out of 12 or whatever the week before though, 12 so. and then 0 and 3 in mixed picks so something a little things, yeah I there's something it's wrong something here wrong I'm, not going, I'm not going well against the spread but I'm picking the games right so look we'll go through tonight or this week's so I have to get back the record by the way is Donny is 5, 6 and 1 Jer is 4, 7 and 1 and I am 2, 9 and 1 and looking favourite for the, uh, the Gatorade bath uh, come Super Bowl week uh, this week I am going, once again, they let me down last week. I picked them plus 3.5 against the uh, Colts and they lost by seven and it should have been more. But I am going for the Baltimore Ravens minus 3.5 at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I still think that the Ravens are a good team. I think the Bucs are much better since they put in Mike Lennon and they are at home. But I just see the Ravens winning that by a touchdown. Uh, I am picking the San Diego Chargers. Minus seven at the terrible Oakland Raiders division game there. Um, but the Chargers are just playing brilliantly at the moment. It doesn't really seem to matter what happens to the running backs. And Oakland, as I talked about last week, are the worst team that I've ever seen. And then I am going for Donnie's favourite team, the Cleveland Browns, okay. to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home by more than 1.5 points. Wow, we're we're going head to head a few times this week, Mick. against each we're other. Seeing, we're obviously mm, seeing the yeah. NFL. And I'm I'm one and all in that uh, particular matchup there, at least. So I'll get one of my two wins all season was uh, Donnie yeah. went for the other team. Let me get one out of the way here. I'm very confident that Denver are going to take the trip to New Jersey and hammer the Jets. I think this might be um, this might be Rex Ryan's last week. That is a big spread for a road team, though. What is it? Ten points. It's ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Jets don't have a quarterback. They don't have a team. They're shattered. Rex yeah. Ryan's in trouble. I think this might be curtains. You probably talked about this earlier. I didn't hear the first part of the show, but uh, Geno Smith not knowing time zones and missing team meetings before uh, when going to the West Coast for the first time in his entire life is not a really good sign for an adult NFL quarterback. Not the kind of guy you want to trust. Probably not, no. No. But you probably wouldn't be trusting Michael Vick too much either. No. Just in general. So you're in trouble there. Um, Now... As for the, where we're going head to head, I really like Tampa Bay at home, plus 3.5. I can't believe they're giving points away. This team, people think they're crap because yeah. they started the season bad when they had Josh McCown. Things have changed now. Yeah. New era. New no, era. No, no, tall no. Mike Lennon. Tall quarterbacks. That's what <laughs> Tall, immobile quarterback Mike Lennon. They're giving away 3.5 points. I can see them either losing by late field goal or doing the job and overturning a possibly overrated Baltimore team. And then Steelers and Browns are playing for the second time in the season. I just think... Steelers won the first game in Pittsburgh. The Steelers aren't an amazing team, but they're going to do what they need to do. They're going to finish the job, win a close game. Uh, Cleveland or Feisty, they're a team that I like, but I just think Pittsburgh going to do the job. Steelers, the reason, one of the reasons you think the books are better than they are is because you overrate Pittsburgh and you overrate New Orleans. And 
New Orleans were terrible. I had them in a uh, Survivor League last last week. I have obviously Drew Brees in two leagues. I watched mm-hmm. most of that game. They are crap. And I don't know if they will be in two weeks when they come back off their boy or whatever, but they were last week. They're crap. And Pittsburgh were terrible than Tampa Bay as well. They've shown a little bit of fight or whatever, but look, they're missing their, um, they're missing a lot of players. I think they're missing a, one of their def- um, top defensive ends this week as well. Mm. I could be mixing that up with another team. Actually. How many leagues are you in? Three. All right. But I also but, also, but aside from fantasy, a lot of yeah, other things yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> How many hours a week? It's an obsession. No, I do it all together. It's not like, I mean, I come in here and do this for 20 minutes and waffle. Then I watch a lot of games and then I pick all my themes and then you start working around half five. (laughs) Obviously, yeah. Um, As for Jer, his miserable picks, he's got, he's going, like you, he thinks the charges are easy money and it's hard to to see it being any other way. He's got them minus seven in Oakland on Sunday. He's got the uh, Seahawks um, at home to the Cowboys, this is the, t- the you know the two best teams in the yeah. in the East. The four the and NFC. one, yeah, Dallas Cowboys. Given the the Seahawks are carrying eight points in this game, but he's going with them anyway. And he also likes the Giants, the recently resurgent Giants, traveling to Philadelphia, giving away two and a half points. He thinks, I guess, they're going to beat the Eagles, the vastly overrated Eagles. So. Yeah, God, that Giants-Eagles game, I had one look at and just decided to get the hell away Stay from it. Like, away. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles would not impress anybody, but they seem to win the football games. Yeah, Giants are playing well, though. Yeah, they're doing the job. It's it's ever since you wrote them off, basically, they've been... So I expect <laughs> the same out of New Orleans when they come back now and from Tampa Bay and from Pittsburgh we'll see. to all win this week. All right. I've learned a lot, guys. Have Let, you learned anything, Nathan? Tell the truth. Well, you've learned nothing, have you? I've learned that maybe we should have spoken a bit more about that possible trade before Donny clicked accept. <laughs> <laughs> but we might have a chance to come back to that in the future. Uh, all right, Donny, Mick, uh, I think we'll be doing it all over again next week. Yeah.